You're listening to No Nonsense Sales from Salesloft, your weekly dose of sales fun where we interview some of the biggest names in sales and separate sales fact from fiction. And here's your host, Tom Boston. It's that time again. Get settled in for some straight talking, waffle free sales advice from No Nonsense Sales. Thanks for listening to this podcast wherever you may be in your sales journey. Maybe you're already a sales legend. Good for you. Or maybe you're on your way to legendary sales status. You can get there so close, you can almost taste it. Or maybe you're right at the start of your sales journey and you don't really have a clue what you're doing or what to do. Well, don't worry because all are welcome here. This is a place for all. We are debunking sales myths every week. This week, can a good salesperson sell anything? Sell me this pen. To that, I would say, well, sell what you love. You know, I don't love pens, personally. I don't know about you. I wouldn't sell pens. Although my favourite pen of all time, and I bet many listeners don't have a an all-time favourite pen, but my favourite pen ever, it's got to be the one that could write in four colours. Green, red, black, blue. Amazing. It could change with a simple click. But if you don't love pens as much as me, don't sell pens. Get behind your product or service. That's my point. True passion is the key to success. And if you're passionate about what you're selling, your buyers will pick up on it. But can a good salesperson sell anything, even if they don't have a passion for it? I had to ask my guest this week, Leslie Vanette's all about it. She is a LinkedIn top voice and the founder of Sales Team Builder. She's a sales trainer who's not afraid to jump on social media and make some noise. Her extensive sales career sees her now helping others to thrive. And she's a big fan of content creation on LinkedIn and TikTok and beyond. Clearly loves doing it, so I had to ask her before we got going. How can salespeople have fun when creating content online? Um, right, because the, the thing that works is consistency more than anything else consistency is what pays off. And if you're not having fun doing it, it's going to be really hard to like show up repeatedly. I think, I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to like do the most. <laughs> like really the content that performs is you just talking about something that excites you and that you're passionate about. And you don't have to have all of the answers or 27 years of experience, like just show up, give your perspective and, and, and focus more on like the passion and the enthusiasm for the topic than being like the talking head person that sounds so professional because that's just, that's nobody wants that. Yeah. I I mean, I love that. I mean, thinking about things like the position, of how you're stood, like overthinking. And I talk about this a lot, right? The amount of content um, that I've overthought, whereas actually just grabbing a phone and doing something off the cuff can often be a lot better than, than you said, which is, yeah, spending maybe 20 minutes moving things around in the background because that looks a bit, that plant pot looks a little bit weird, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so speaking of your content, I recently saw a video of yours, actually, and you were talking uh, about salespeople. Surprise, surprise. Um, That's shocking. <laughs> and it was all about this idea of salespeople using techniques that might be selfish, I think was the word that mm. that you used, um, and that they simply 
don't work. Now, I think I've been guilty of this in the past, and I'm sure listeners have as well. What can salespeople do then to avoid selfish selling? Oh, gosh. And I've been guilty of this as well. I think uh, so often the things that we become the best at later in our career are maybe the things we got the most wrong earlier in our careers that we learn from those mistakes and we learn from you know how it feels to, to really not nail it. Um, the sort of minds that I use, Tom, is like around my entire sales methodology called earn the right, because I think it's so simple, which is asking yourself, have I earned the right to make this request? And so whether that's asking them to open and read an email, like have I earned the right to their attention? If you're asking them to book in a meeting, have I earned the right to their time? And the only way to do that is by saying something or giving them something that matters to them. Makes sense to me. I'm I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm thinking about my my days as a seller. So, and I want to avoid the V word, the, the value word. But what can a what can a seller do in 2023 that really does add? And I will use the word value, and then gives a prospect. Uh, that kind of feeling of, okay, yeah, this interaction is about me and it's not just for the, for the salesperson. What, what are some of the techniques that sellers can use? Yeah. Um, value does still matter, right? Like so many phrases, it gets overused, but the, the root of, of, uh, value is, is still incredibly important. Um, let me share three ideas. I think the first one is make it as easy as possible for the buyer to get that value. So that can be just writing that really short, simple email, right? Like just making it easy for their brains to digest. If you are making a deposit, meaning you're sharing that, you know, case study, white paper, whatever it is, instead of giving them a 30 page white paper saying, Hey, Tom, based on your last podcast, I think that the insights on page five are going to be most applicable for you, right? Like how can you, instead of adding something onto their plate, try to kind of take it off their plate or make it as easy as possible for them to, to get that value. I think that's idea one. I would say idea two, and this is good for sellers, is to ditch personalization and hopefully somebody listening gasped. I hope that was gasp worthy for somebody. It was nearly <laughs> me. It was, it was nearly me. I nearly <laughs> fell off a chair. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Yes, that was that was the reaction that I got. Um, what I mean by ditch personalization is personalization that is running the sales world right now is fake, very disingenuous personalization. So that might sound like the infamous congrats on your series A, and then you immediately pivot into your sales pitch. It's like, I sell, we have, um, or another really common one is like, hi, Leslie, I see you're the founder of sales team builder. Like, no, no. <laughs> wow. Like what a, what a shocking revelation you shared. And then again, it pivots like right into their sales pitch. So if you are going to personalize it has to be hyper-personalized, which means it has to be relevant or just stop wasting your time on personalization that doesn't say something that matters to your buyer and instead over-index on saying something that does bring them that value. So that's a second idea. 
Um, and then I would say third is really asking yourself, like, what deposits can you make? So taking it back to those, like, you know, case studies, testimonials, even white papers, webinar invitations, like what are those things that you can give your buyer to start creating credibility, that sense of reciprocity, like to, to start building some of those layers of emotion that when it is time for you to make that ask, when you have earned the right to ask them to consider buying your product or to sign on the dotted line, um, that you have given enough, you've given more than you've asked. I think what I've taken from that as well, and it's it's so interesting that that actually you don't have to do too much work to earn the right, you know. And I think that's something that a lot of salespeople can can really feel good about, right? We we don't have to spend forty five minutes of research to kind of feel like we can get a foot through the door. It might just be something as simple as you said there, listening to a recent podcast, checking out someone's website, or just delving a little bit more into their content and seeing what they're about and, and showing that, look, I'm not just reaching out completely randomly. And mm. I have at least attached some value to what hopefully will be a great conversation. So yeah, thanks thanks so much for sharing those. Now, the, um, the topic of today's um, podcast is the phrase, a good salesperson can sell anything, which I'm really looking forward to speaking to you about. Before we delve into it, though, is there such thing as an easy thing to sell? What do you think of that question? Easy? I would say no, because I think sales is a craft. And I think um, that by de like learning the craft, practicing the craft, I think is difficult and deserves the recognition that comes with that, but there are certainly products that are easier to sell, right? Like there are products with incredible product market fit that people are clamoring for. Um, there are certainly products that have huge brand recognition. So we, there are elements that make a product easier to sell. Um, and I think anybody that has worked for maybe like a a sales loft, right? Like a big, credible logo with a product that consistently rates at the, you know, at the top. Um, and then has also sold maybe for a startup would say that there are some really unique challenges that come with selling a product that doesn't have case studies, that doesn't have testimonials, that doesn't have that history of delivery, that doesn't have any brand recognition, right? Like there are a lot of additional hurdles um, in terms of education and credibility building that have to happen before the sale that I think makes that type of sale more difficult. So easy, no, but there's, there's a spectrum. So let's talk about people who are on um, the harder end of the spectrum. So maybe someone listening is going, oh, I'm that person who's working for a company that nobody's heard of. And we don't have the brand recognition. The The products may be a bit more complicated than I realized be, before I took the job. What can they do without having the the strength of uh, of the brand behind them to, to really stand out from the crowd? Because we know the crowd gets bigger every day, right? It does. I work with a lot of companies like this, um, so I can share how I start those engagements and then folks can, you know, Google it and do it themselves if they're tight on budget. Um, I would do two things to start. One would be 
and incredible clarity about your ideal customer profile, your ICP. Um, and I don't always think that this is something that sales people and even sales leaders think is like their responsibility to really nail, like it's something the leader or the strategic leaders do. But even as a seller, I suggest that you look at your territory and you don't think, okay, here's everybody I can sell to. You think, you know, let's say your territory is 500 accounts, go through them and be like, who do you enjoy selling to the most? Like for instance, I really sell well into the finance space. So like I had a Northeast territory, it was predominantly pharma and finance. I was way stronger in finance. So I prioritized my outreach to finance accounts. Um, so figure out for you who you like to sell to in this current market, who is most likely to buy, buy now, buy at full price, renew later. Like, I, you know, I, I think that there's a responsibility for the organization, of course, to create an ICP, but even with your territory, you can own a little bit of, of that and how you manage it. And then the second thing I would do is a value prop workshop. And again, I like, I think this is important at an organizational level, but reps, like do this workshop yourself because a lot of the language that you're getting, unfortunately, is being given to you by people that like maybe not on the phone with the customers that much. And you as that SDR, AE, ISR, whatever, that frontline seller, you're talking to customers all day long. So you have this really unique insight into the challenge is not just the people that say yes, but people that say no, and the language that they're using to describe um, the, you know, the, the environment that they're in. Um, so take that opportunity to ask them questions, to like get curious, even if they're not going to buy, use that opportunity to, to learn more about what's happening in their world so that you can create like you can turn that language around and then use it to sell in the future. So ICP workshop, value prop workshop. So great. So interesting. And I think that like, it's something I tried to do as a seller, right? Have an, an authentic voice by speaking about things the way that, that I would, right. Mm -hmm. And describing things in, uh, in my particular style makes it feel more genuine. How about this week's topic then? So we have to decide if it's sales fact or fiction. So can a good salesperson sell anything? Yes. So I'm going the opposite direction on that. I think, yes, absolutely. A maybe not good, but a great salesperson can sell anything. Um, I think like, you know, humble brag, uh, I am representative of this. Like I have my entire career switched ITCP, switched industries, which means I've sold four to six, you know, figure sales cycles. I've sold one call close to multi-month sale. Like I think that the best salespeople, because they lean heavily into a learn it all mentality, they do have a knack for being able to switch between different types of ICPs, sales cycle, sales environments, et cetera. Um, with that being said, Tom, I think the, the more important question might be, just because you can sell anything, do you want to sell? Like there are some products out there that um, I think for most people, 
um, maybe they could sell them, but it might selling them might not um, align to their values. Sell something that you love. That's what I always say to people. <laughs> now we're nearly at time, but I want to make sure we squeeze in the the pump up song. So do you want to share with us the song that you've selected um, that you might play to get yourself pumped up for a good a good bout of selling? Okay, so we're talking about revenue. So I went with ODB, baby, I got your money. Fantastic. I think that will be a great way to end this episode. And Leslie, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, dirty, baby, I've got your money. Don't you worry. I said, hey. Because, baby, I've got your money. I've got your money. Hey. That was kind of a jaunty, chipper version of a song by ODB and Khalees on No Nonsense Sales. And we've just added it to the Sales Loft playlist on Spotify. Head over there right now. If you'd like to hear the track in full, just search No Nonsense Sales. And I tell you what, while you're over on Spotify, why not subscribe to this very podcast for more of the same or you can do so on your podcast player of choice.